This is the radioactive summer break. Community amplified, songs of summer, and more music discovery weeknights at 6 on KRCL. I'm Laura Jones, and it may not be obvious, but we are in primary election season for municipal offices. The folks at Alliance for a Better Utah, well, they're going to help us out with some important dates, plus the latest on the American Legislative Exchange Council, or ALEC, which is holding an annual meeting in Salt Lake City this week. And we'll check in with Better Boundaries, the folks that helped get us an independent redistricting commission here. They're going to give us an update on the redistricting process. Now, don't touch the dial, trust me. You, you got to know this stuff, because redistricting may very well decide the political stripe of our elected leaders for the next 10 years. We'll spend some time with Better Boundaries' new executive director, Katie Wright, later this hour. But first, her pick for our Songs of Summer playlist. Uh, right now, I can't get enough of Bob Marley. I'm back to 17-year-old Katie and Misty Morning I have on constant replay. have to dedicate it to my two daughters, Nora and Thea Markinen. You got it, Katie. Bob Marley, Misty Morning on KRCL. Radioactive Summer Break and Songs of Summer. I'm Laura Jones, and this is the Radioactive Summer Break on KRCL, amplifying community since 1979. We are in primary election season, and to find out more, I zoomed up the Better Utah team to sort out some important dates. Here's that conversation. First up, Melissa Nelson-Stipic, Civic Engagement Coordinator for the nonprofit. Hi, Melissa. How you doing? I'm doing great. Hello. Thanks for giving us some time. We're going to talk about ALEC, which will be in town, the American Legislative Exchange Council, with Better Utah's Chase Thomas in just a minute as well. But let's talk about some important dates. I'm on your news, uh, your email newsletter, and I'm like, ah, it's primary time. (laughs) I forgot. And there are some dates that people need to be very familiar with right now. In fact, if your city is having a primary, if your county is having a primary, your ballots started going out on the 19th of July. That's correct. What other dates are coming up here, Melissa, we should be aware of? So if you are not registered to vote, what you need to do is register either online or by mail by July 30th what? to vote. <laughs> I know. Uh, or the primary. For, in just a few days. Yeah. the primary. Just folks. the primary. And many um, municipalities are not going to be having primaries because 23 um, areas are uh, participating in the municipal alternative voting methods pilot project. So we will not be having as many primaries as usual. So if you see on social media or notice people talking about uh, getting their primary ballots, not everybody is going to be getting those. And then there's a quite a few happening in August, dates that we need to be familiar yes. with. Run those down for us. Okay. So um, if you do believe that you are supposed to get a primary ballot and you did not, then your last day to request a replacement ballot would be August 3rd. And you can do that by contacting your county clerk. Um, which you can find just by Googling whatever county you you live in and, and saying uh, county clerk. So you can get that information. Um, and then if you prefer to vote in person, you m- can do so by uh, 
going, um, many of those county clerks have voting um, available in their office or they can tell you where the early polling locations are on their websites again. Um, and then the last day to mail that primary ballot is the day before our primary election. So you need to have your ballot postmarked by August 9th because the primary election day is August 10th. So it needs to be postmarked prior to the day of the primary election. And if you like me and many other people forget to mail it in, there are drop boxes that where you can take it. Um, and all of that information is either available on your county clerk's office or at vote.utah.gov. Also, you have a 2021 voter guide on your website. We do at the betterutahinstitute.org. We have our 2021 voter guide. We have our primary election dates as well as the um, general municipal election dates. If that's confusing, come check out our voter guide and uh, we'll have lots more information as we get closer to the fall election. So all the dates we just talked about are for the primary season happening as we speak, but there are 23 cities doing ranked choice voting or municipal alternative voting methods pilot (laughs) project. So you don't have anything going on during the, the primary season and the general election, you know, ballots start dropping the week of October 11th and the last day to register to vote online or by mail for the general is October 22nd. We'll put a link into tonight's show notes to all the places you can get that information. Thank you, Melissa. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And now sticking with Better Utah, we have Chase Thomas, Executive Director. How are you, Chase? I'm great. How are you? Now, there are several moving parts to Better Utah Institute. So which hat are you wearing right now? I'm wearing the Alliance for a Better Utah hat right now. And remind folks what that organization does. Yeah, so Alliance for a Better Utah, um, we are a nonprofit that holds lawmakers and government officials accountable um, and empowers Utahns to do the same. All right, I was looking on the blog that you folks have at betterutah.org, and it reminded me that Alec is coming to town, the Alliance, (laughs) uh, the, the Legislative Exchange Council, right? Yes. And this is a a group that claims to be nonpartisan, but I noticed that you issued a press release today challenging that. What's going on? Um, Yeah. So, I mean, all nonprofits are nonpartisan, um, but as we know, a lot of most nonprofits lean one way or the other. Um, And ALEC, the American Legislative Exchange Council, has historically led more toward the right or towards conservative groups. Um, So they are, what they say is a network of state lawmakers that come together to write bills. Um, But over time, we've learned that they have a lot of corporate interests tied into ALEC. Um, So that's what a lot of people know about them is they bring in corporate lobbyists to mingle with lawmakers as they're drafting their model legislation that then goes out to state capitals across the country to be adopted as bills. Um, What we have been working on over the past week is um, working with a national group called Center for Media and Democracy, which found some um, possible partisan ties to the work that Alec is doing. Um, So for each of their legislative members, they've provided free access to a voter um, software um, that they say is being used for constituent communications, but all the data that 
goes into that software is then given to the Republican National Committee, the RNC, which can then be used for elections and contacting voters. Um, and these legislative members could also possibly be using it for their campaigns. Um, we just don't know right now. We have found information uh, from a whistleblower, um, from presentations that this voter software is given, um, talking about how tied to the RNC it is, um, where all this data is going. And so we submitted a complaint this morning to the Lieutenant Governor's office saying, this is all the stuff that we found. Um, we don't have even official legislative member lists from ALEC, they don't publish those. So we're asking you, Lieutenant Governor, the elections administrator here in the state, to look into it a little bit more, um, to see who are members here in the state of ALEC and whether they're using this software for illegal purposes. We submitted that complaint asking the Lieutenant Governor to launch an investigation. Devil's advocate, why does this matter? First, it matters because it's the law. Um, so if lawmakers are receiving this software um, for campaign purposes, then they need to report it as an in-kind contribution. Um, the second is just for transparency's sake. Um, a lot of organizations exist out there that bring in money from corporate interests, from partisan interests. Um, and it's an effort for us to know where money is going in our election system or even in our governance systems and who is influencing the legislation and what our government officials are doing. Um, so government transparency. The American Legislative Exchange Council is actually hosting its annual meeting here in Salt Lake City this week. Yes, that is also what's happening. <laughs> Another reason why it's important for this week specifically. And if it's the case here in Utah, is it the case in other states as well? How broad is this complaint? Um, so our complaint is only for Utah. Um, and as a Utah voter, we worked with, or Utah group, we worked with this national group to file it here. Um, but there are 14 other states um, where it's being filed sometime this week. Um, and there was also a complaint filed with the IRS last week against Alex specifically, um, saying that if this software is being used for partisan purposes, then it violates their nonprofit 501c3 status because those types of nonprofits aren't allowed to be involved in elections um, in any way. And so asking the IRS to look into it as well. So what is it you hope happens if this is the case? Um, well, I mean, first, we just want the lieutenant governor's office to look into this more. Um, we don't have a, I guess, vested interest in the outcome. Um, if they're not being used for campaign purposes, then we're fine with that. We just want somebody to look into it here in the state and make sure things are being done correctly. Um, although if it is being used for partisan purposes, then we hope that the federal government or state governments um, would act appropriately. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the remedy is. I think here in Utah, they have to correct their campaign finance reports um, and there's a possible fine um, that goes along with that. Um, but basically we just want nonprofits and their members to be acting appropriately and following the law. So Chase, where can people read up more about the complaint that Better Utah has filed? What's your website? 
betterutah.org. And you'll find our latest news right up there on the homepage um, with a link to the press release and a copy of the report. Thanks, Chase. Chase Thomas and Melissa Nelson-Stipic of Better Utah. You can check tonight's show post for a link to the nonprofit's 2021 voter guide and more details on their complaint against the American Legislative Exchange Council. I'm Laura Jones, and this is the Radioactive Summer Break. Let's get another pick for our Songs of Summer playlist. This one from Melissa at Better Utah. I've been listening to Caroline Rose's Feel the Way I Want all summer long, and I want to send it out to the community as part of KRCL's Songs of Summer. And thanks for all of your support of KRCL, of our community partners, of calls for action to help out. You're listening to the Radioactive Summer Break, and I'm Laura Jones. As I said earlier, there is something you really need to pay attention to, folks. It's the once every 10 years redistricting process. We're waiting for the census data, but there are important dates to pay attention to. And one of the groups keeping an eye on all of this is Better Boundaries. They've just named a new executive director, Katie Wright. Here's my conversation with Katie. You are the new executive director at the organization that helped push the proposition, Prop 4, I believe it was, correct, for an independent redistricting commission. And you take the reins at an interesting time, Katie, as the independent redistricting commission is meeting, but also the Utah legislature's redistricting committee. So two processes happening at the same time. Uh, Why did you want the job? I mean, it seems like a big headache. Um, Well, first of all, Better Boundaries and many, many Utahans and supporters put um, a valiant effort together to get this passed. And and so I knew I was joining a really great team. Um, The reason why I wanted to do it is because I, I truly believe and seen in my career that there are a lot of issues that we have consensus on across the United States of America in a bipartisan way, but often those issues aren't moving forward, despite um, the broad support from many, many people across the aisle. I view redistricting as a fundamental issue that if we can get it right and do it fair and have a situation where um, people are choosing their politicians versus politicians choosing people, we can see positive change in communities. And so it was an issue that I've always followed, and I'm just really pleased to come in at this time where we are sprinting to the finish line. So what is on your to-do list, Katie? So the most important thing right now is to have as much participation in the independent commissions process as possible. Because census data is behind, um, we have this opportunity to really focus on communities of interest. So communities of interest is not a constitutional requirement, but it is a, a standard of the independent commission. And what it means is that you and your neighbors who have shared interests should also have shared representation and voice. And so there's an opportunity to go to our website, betterboundaries.org forward slash draw, and you can answer questions and draw lines around your communities of interest. And all of this will be submitted to the independent commission. And they can use that when making decisions about where lines are drawn and how um, districts are formed and thus how different groups with different interests are represented. So it's very critical and that's what we're focused on now. 
So this is the first time we have had an independent redistricting commission in the state of Utah. And that means the first time people are drawing boundaries. Now, whatever the commission ends up forwarding to the legislature, the legislature is the one with the constitutional duty um, and privilege, frankly. They're, they have the final say, uh, as our elected representatives, what these districts look like. They are pursuing their own redistricting process as well. And as we saw 10 years ago, the politicians, they define communities of interest much different than the electorate, than voters do. And so it's going to be interesting to see these things come together. And we're going to be under a tight timeline, aren't we? Yes, we and everyone else across the country. Um, I guess the the only positive is that we're all experiencing it um, because the data is delayed due to COVID. Um, but it doesn't mean that um, good, fair um, maps can, um, cannot be drawn. I think it's very possible in the um, in the time that we have. And I'm really buoyed by the good work of the independent commission. They are meeting regularly. They are working on the definitions of the standards. They are practicing map drawing with the 2010 data. So they are really doing the good work. And so I, I have a lot of confidence in the work they're doing. But you brought up that there is a parallel process with the legislative committee. And that is true. And one difference that, I, um, that the commission decided on at last week's meeting is that the independent commission does not want to know where any any incumbents live because that should be beside the point that's a that's an example of politicians picking their voters and um, the uh, legislative committee certainly will have that information and so that is a difference um, between the two process and one that i think is important to note something for we the people to keep an eye on as these two processes come together i i I'm also thinking of the Independent Redistricting Commission as another source of sunlight on this process. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And sunlight is the best word for it. So they will actually have YouTube videos of them in the drawing process and the conversations about why they've decided to move a line, what they're thinking about. So we understand, well, yes, they cut through a county, but they're thinking about the fact that half of this county are ranchers and half rely on tourism. And so you'll be able to literally see why they're making decisions, why decisions were made. That is um, the calling of the independent commission is that everything will be done in sunlight. The legislative committee can take a lot of input, but we never know what is used with that input because the decisions made are done behind closed doors. Mm. And that is a really important um, difference between the two process that it is important for Utahns to understand. Better Boundaries has a great timeline on your website. Can you kind of give us some of the milestone dates we should be keeping an ear and an eye out for? Yes, I think um, right now, like I said, the most important thing is to go visit and draw communities of interest. Around August 16th, the census will deliver data, and that is when um, the commission and others can actually start drawing districts. Once they have the opportunity to um, draw some draft maps, the commission will really hit the road and visit um, locations all over the state. And it is so important that people go to those independent commission meetings and share their thoughts about the map, um, participate in the process, give their input. Um, around the end of October, um, the commission will then submit that to the legislation and they will have um, some decisions to make about whether or not 
they accept the commission maps. And we really hope that people will let their representatives know that they value the commission and think that the commission's maps should be um, chosen. And that'll be the interesting point, I think, in this whole process. You know, 10 years ago, lawmakers defined a community of interest as, uh, for congressional district purposes, as part rural, part urban. And if you haven't been happy with how that has played out over the last 10 years, it's even more important to pay attention this time around because it sets the stage for the next 10 years in terms of where you vote and who you'll be voting for. Right, Katie? Absolutely. And and the whole idea behind redistricting and the reason why it's constitutionally required that states do it every 10 years is that communities do change. And so districts should change with the communities so that people have representation. You know, again, a foundational um, idea behind democracy. And so one of the changes that our state has um, seen is a lot of growth in our more urban or suburban areas and um, some, you know, losing population in rural areas. So how can we make sure that folks who have similar concerns in rural areas have representation and folks with similar concerns and experiences in urban areas have representation? I think that that would be an example if we can achieve it of fair boundaries. What is the website where people can catch up with Better Boundaries and get involved? Betterboundaries.org forward slash draw is the best place for drawing maps. And then, of course, you can just visit our home site, um, betterboundaries.org. Katie Wright of Better Boundaries. Check tonight's show notes for links to the nonprofit. I'm Laura Jones, and this is the Radioactive Summer Break. Democracy Now! coming up at 7 followed by Emily's mixtape at 8, Forgash and Cody D's Maximum Distortion, Utah's only heavy metal show at 10.30, Rude Awakening, two hours of punk and ska with Liz at 3 a.m. I'm going to get on out of here with something from the Chicks off their Gaslighter album, March March, KRCL 90.9.